Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast uh, featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd, my partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we're going to be talking about uh, if you can't get the glutes firing, what what can we do? Uh, this is sometimes a, seems like a simple project uh, for a lot of our clients, but it can be uh, pretty challenging for some of our, you know, even our non-active to our most elite athletes. So I figure it'd be a good conversation. Always like to talk a little bit about, you know, buns by Boyd at my clinic. So figure we bring it to nips and sips. But uh, before I uh, talk too much, Brandon, how's it going? Going well. We saw I was sipping on through my uh, can of holder crunk cup over here. Um, Got uh, my noble oak. It's become kind of my mainstay here the past few episodes, but going well. Um, What's going on your end, man? I feel like we haven't connected in a while. How was your – I know you were at uh, a – I-A-R, right? Correct? Yep, I-A-R. Um, for your fellowship. So um, I hope you learned some good stuff. You wanna, I don't know if you want to kind of give us a quick recap and what uh, what you're drinking as well. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, – I had my – done my in the tail end of the, I guess, didactic workload of uh, going for courses and those sort of things. I uh, had the advanced lumbosacral uh, – spine uh, course uh, taught by Ben Volkman, a very impressive clinician uh, for IAR. Um, it's a cool, awesome facility. Uh, I got pumped as hell when I brought a basketball hoop into my clinic. They have a full half court at their facility. Oh, I, I was like, damn. Um, but uh, it was, yeah, really just awesome being around some high level clinicians, um, learning a lot more techniques. Uh, we did some uh, just some different variations of manipulations in our fellowship. They, you know, I went from doing from kind of techniques in a specific area like TLJ to lumbosacral to, you know, try and get specific levels. They want you to take a next step further of like, all right, it's someone with a potential difficulty with more closing techniques. Well, you need to hit the specific area and a more closing technique versus opening technique. So learning those things um, are definitely awesome to add to my toolbox. Will I use them every single time? Probably not, but, you know, certain those trickier patients are, are not, you know, they're there for me. So definitely had an awesome time and then uh, learn more into neurodynamics, uh, their approach with things, uh, a little bit about uh, – movement system impairments by Sorman. So I haven't been too much exposed to that besides what I just read here and there. Uh, so I definitely had a great time. Always do. And, uh, I guess quick question. Sorry. Um, after this, I know we've, we've talked about this, I guess more of a side note, but it's on air. Um, can you start training now? Can you start your mentoring? I I can't. I I have one more course. Oh yeah. When's that? Um, I have one more course to do uh, in October, like middle of oh, October, okay. uh, but I can start my, my mentorship hours at that point. So yeah, after October. Yeah. Middle oh, of okay. October. Well, I just got my email saying I was approved for my fellowship. Whoa. I except I owe 60 bucks. It is money what? grab everywhere, man. <laughs> so I guess, I, guess I, got her, I got to call her and pay. There's a difference, I guess, now that I'm a fellow. You have to bump up. You have to pay fellowship dues. So now it's next. Oh uh, yeah! Come on, really? Just for your uh, so for your officially you know. unofficial. Officially so, unofficial. Come on now. Can't wait! Can't wait to start mentoring you though. Oh, that'd be all. I really can't wait. Um, and that's what they always say. And that's a nice thing about you know the residencies 
and the fellowships, they all harp on the same thing as the most important part is the mentorship. Uh, and I can't agree more. It's like, great. You learn new techniques, you'll get updated with the most current literature and everything like that. But that constant mentorship being with someone who's, a um, you know, higher level than you thinks a different way than you, you know, you know, challenges you to deliver better care, uh, and doing that frequently. And, you know, it's 150 hours at least. Uh, yep. so that's a lot of actually, and the, in my, I don't know if it was a case for you, it's 150 different clients. So it's just like, if as long as you treat like, you know, people for an hour. So it's not like they don't, apparently it doesn't count from if I saw someone, let's say on a Tuesday and saw the same person on a Thursday, apparently that doesn't count. Uh, it has to be someone different. It's like, oh, I was like, no wonder why it takes that so be, long. That's harder then. Yeah, yeah. So I they want. Hours. So I had, uh, I had the same, you know, case law you get your follow-up sessions you know yeah so they want certain things to be follow up there and we have like live patient exams where i have to evaluate someone i have to write you a plan of like everything and the director of the fellowship toko mm -hmm. um and then the next three sessions you know write a write up about each one and then the fourth one you essentially come in and uh, either say good job or grill my balls um, and that's, yeah, just kind of improving things. Hopefully we're on a similar page, but, um, yeah, so looking right. forward to it. And then, um, yeah, so, uh, just to kind of get onto our topic here, I'm going to have some Lagunitas, Lagunitas. I've had a couple of their beers. This one's called hoop, uh, hop, stupid, 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 like on a stoop. Uh, I think I've had it in the past, but there's a client, Eric Jones gave it to me. He's a, He's been over to like 200 to 200 breweries He's all over the country and he picked out some of his favorite beers. So he gave me this a while ago and I've been saving it for the show ever since. Um, but uh, yeah, we can get this party started talking about them glutes. As yeah, I say, in my clinic, we, we, we have a big thing of buns by Boyd. Uh, so we do believe in the importance of trying to fire up them glutes. Uh, but again, sometimes we run into a, occasional trickier patient where oh, maybe they can isolate it on a table great but start transitioning into more functional movements they start having some difficulties so it takes a little bit of finesse but brandon what about you you know i talked what's for a uh well, what's your rating man i'm waiting for this rating here and look at that with dallas uh what, what's that cup say dallas dallas nice which i had this weekend because the course was over in dallas and also enough, my hotel had a top golf suite, but they had a Dallas Blonde uh, theirs, which was a really good beer. But uh, you, this uh, is a. Did you hit some? Mm hmm. Yeah, with, with another guy in my uh, fellowship, Grant. Nice. And uh, we played for like two hours, and uh, based on the on the on the virtual, I looked actually pretty good. But oh, doesn't always was, translate uh, to the real like world. Randy there. Huh? No, Randy wasn't there for this one. He does most of his stuff in Charlotte, but uh, okay. I think hopefully I get to see him once or twice more. Nice. But uh, I give this a definitely your standard kind of IPA uh, feel to it. I'm going to give it a I'm give it a 7.3. That's my no, the road. One of these days I'm going to get into the 8s and 9s. I'm waiting for it. Yeah, you, you started off uh, a 
you know, with your ratings pretty high, and then they've they've pretty much sizzled down. So I, I don't know I'm if you're becoming a beer snob, apparently. Yeah, well, anyway, I'll drink a lot of it. Let's. Uh, good for you. I I can't. It's just fucking nasty. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, glutes firing. Um, what do I I do? I mean, I'll start. I I think. You know, low-level stuff is good to, to go with. Uh, I do my bridges and clamshells. I mean, I'd pretty much say any most patients are getting that. Um, I don't care, you know, how not flashy or sexy it is. They're getting some sort of variation. Um, I do them to this day, you know, integrated with my warm-up, um, whether it's that or I load it up with a bar or then I go into a hip thruster. There's some variation whether double leg, single leg, banded, non-banded, like there, there's something there. Um, in terms of, uh, I guess, what do we do to get them fine if we're having trouble? Um, you know, one of many different things. Uh, on the exercise side and, and cueing side, I'll, I'll have them um, perhaps uh, crunch, for lack of a better term, um, engage their abs, maybe do a, a reach or something where they're engaging their abs. Uh, so their abs and glutes are working together, uh, kind of gets them out of that extended or low back or lumbar arch position. Um, and that's kind of, if you, you go back to, to Vladimir Yanda's lower crust syndrome, we have the extensors and the hip flexors work together, our abs and glutes work together. So I try and work in synergy there. Um, and also kind of play around with that agonist antagonist, um, turning some muscles off, turning some muscles on. Um, and, and, you know, we say the term firing, uh, I feel like we have to kind of preface it because people will be like, you're not activating, you're not firing. Listen, use whatever term you want to use. I think mm. we're just kind of using that to, to term, use the term engagement, um, you know, firing. So whatever, if, you, if you're going to try and um, heckle us on, on the, the actual verbiage, you know, whatever. But um, so yeah, I'll do that. Sometimes I'll, I'll have the patient point up their toes because patients will feel it in their hamstrings or they start getting cramping in their hamstrings, which is indicative of glutes not working, hamstrings working too hard. Um, so if we get their, the dorsiflexion going, it forces them to use their quads, therefore inhibiting their hamstrings, therefore making their glutes one of the only ways they can really bridge up. Um, and again, this is going back to um, you know some PNF principles, agonists, antagonists, um, it's, a, it's insufficiency uh, type principles that, you know, we learned way back when during kinesiology and stuff like that. Um, so before I get into some other tactics, what do you, what do you like to use? Uh, Mr. Buns by Boyd. Buns so, by Boyd. You, you have a name to that. live up to. Yeah, I know. So uh, we have to, we have Buns by Boyd in the clinic. Cavs, uh, what is it? Hammies by Hannes and uh, Cavs by Cam probably all things that we actually need to individually work on the most uh, of the okay, three okay. of us. We have to work I don't know. On I, our I'd own say track. No homo here. I don't know. Especially when we're playing golf, your, your buns tend to bust out of your golf shorts. Oh, uh, yeah, they're looking yeah. pretty good I'm there. Leg dominant. Yeah. But I know pretty, I had uh, Justin assess me recently for, uh, for something else yeah. that was going on. And he said that he's like, at least you live to the name better, but uh, I don't even know how it started. Um, I think at one point, and maybe my like just looking at the clinic one day there was just oh you know it was, a, it was a client that started he just was watching like my clients and two or three of them must have been doing like clamshells or bridges all at the same time this is before i started trifecta and he he was he started rattling off names of i think buns by boyd 
or Boyd's Bun House or something like that. There's a couple good ones, so I've been sticking with it since. But um, yeah, you know, I do similar things. I know I'm in more of an advanced population, and a lot of people kind of try and throw like those more basic ones of bridges, clamshells um, under the bus. Uh, there was a period where I personally was like, I ain't doing that bullshit of, you know, because it was like too basic and those sort of things. And um, I was having a tough time, you know, maybe just getting things started, um, you know, but, you know, they are important. Uh, this um, article I reference, I don't take it to heart because um, EMG studies, they're, they have the, definitely have their flaws associated. Most of them are on healthy individuals. Um, let me just put this up. I think most people know this article. It's a really good one. The electromyograph analysis of glute medius and uh, glute max during rehab exercises. I think they might have actually updated this, um, but this is the one I just had on me. It kind of gives you just uh, maximum volitional uh, control of all these certain exercises. Uh, one of the things after reading this article, I believe somewhere in this, they just kind of talk about the, just say, yeah, gluteal squeeze. And just like reading that and I kind of threw, you know, especially for uh, glute max contracting. And if you look at like an overflow principle, um, you know, I was just like, ah, I'm not doing like basic isometrics for a long period of time. Uh, sometimes it's priming up everything with that, um, with a basic glute squeeze, maybe advancing to like a physio ball glute squeeze. Uh, it was, has been really beneficial for me. And even like, you know, I, I have people who uh, can, you know, deadlift 400, 500, 600 pounds. And a lot of times, you know, they're tweaking their back and then you start trying to test their glutes and they can't even do basic MMTs, you know, priming them up with even some basic stuff like that actually is pretty effective. And for a while I kind of wrote that off as, you know, you know, this is too basic for me, but sometimes you have to break it up to its simplest parts. And then from there, I do like to transition it into more of those functional movements, game into hip hinges, uh, hip thrusters with like a barbell, um, and then I like in that kind of sequence of something very basic, prime it up. And if you look at your big strength coaches, uh, Mike Boyle, um, you know, Bobby Smith and fight if they look at their, just their general performance, uh, what they do to kind of prep their athletes and their warmups, they're doing the same stuff. Uh, so if they're at the most elite levels of strength and conditioning and have excellent programs and writing the books on this sort of stuff, you know, as its place. So from there, I'll start to go and transition to obviously more advanced things, but that's kind of how I get things going there, Brandon. But uh, Yeah. I'll say before I get into the kind of manual therapy bias, just because mm-hmm. that's what this channel is about. Um, the more I've learned, so I've been practicing, I graduated in 2013. So officially practicing uh, what's that coming up? I guess Seven? I just finished, I just finished six full years. I'm entering my seventh now. Um, the more I've learned, the more I've worked with people, uh, the more I realize basic, basic is needed for most people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to even argue even, especially the athletes, uh, the higher level athletes and just for some, um, some street cred. You know, I've worked with 
D1 athletes at Temple at University of Florida. I've worked with NFL Combine athletes, uh, athletes coming from all over the country to do Combine prep. Um, I've worked with cyclists. I've worked with elite runners, um, I th- basketball players. I'm trying. I'm trying to think just off the top of my head. Who baseball? Uh, I've had a couple of MLB guys. They they can do the high level stuff. They can do the fancy stuff. They that's mm-hmm. what makes them an at- That's what makes them professional. They can compensate. They can. They can figure out a way. Um, but you give them something easy to do easy uh, or simple exercise that's done the correct way and you critique their shit out of them the way it's supposed to be done and you avoid those compensation or those compensatory patterns that they've developed and gotten that far with and, and they're, they're hurting. They're not hurting. They're, they're struggling. They're sweating. They're trembling um, yeah. with just the, the simple exercises. So for all you, you new, new grads out there, especially the ones that want to go into sports, sports rehab, uh, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, you know, sometimes the, the, the simpler, the better. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's nice to do some of the higher level, fancier stuff that oh, yeah. that's probably what keeps them engaged in rehab. So they're not just oh, yeah. doing a bunch of clamshells and bridges on the table. Um, that's where creativity comes in, but you, you saw the EMG, I mean, front planks with a glute squeeze. That's what hip extension is basically a glute squeeze as well as bridges. Those are your top two. I mean, how mm-hmm. more boring can you get? Um, but if we're, we're trying to get somebody out of pain, get them to recognize what some turning on is, um, only they have that feeling. So we, we can only describe so much, but we have to put them in positions where they can feel success, whatever success is for them. And now build upon that layering it with exercises. Um, you know, I'll say that, but Jeremy, I know you're in the, you're in a sports fellowship. So, uh, I don't know if, if you have anything to kind of add to that before we move on. No, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more in regards to that sort of stuff. Uh, in our residency, I, I think Bill Egan said it the best is, you know, um, you know, the basics is what really fixes people. I don't care who, you know, I've went from general population to sports rehabilitation and that, that still rings true. Absolutely. Uh, he used to say, he's like, you're a great therapist. All they need is a table and a couple dumbbells and a band and, I agree with that, huh? And your hands. So, so I think the table and the hands are in the yeah, brain. Yeah. That's a that's a package deal. Um, and, and the goal is always to get people off the table. Uh, don't get don't get us wrong, but that you know expertise and obviously your diagnostics and that sort of stuff. But it's most of what people end up having pain and dysfunction with is because they they missed out on the basics a lot of the times. Um, sure. Yeah. If they're having really shitty form of the snatch or something like that, and you're catching it, you know, improving their movement and that sort of things is obviously going to make them better. But usually, especially if they get into the elite level, their form is probably pretty decent and they're just missing out a component of things. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm still at this where level where it's like, Hey, hit those foundational things. Um, and you know, you'll probably get, pretty close to all the way there and then integrate it with the more advanced, more fancier stuff. Um, you know, I agree with you with the engagement stuff. So I do a lot of things purely for that reason is just engagement, uh, keeping it fun for the athlete, uh, making sure they're staying motivated to keep coming back and that sort of stuff. But, uh, um, in terms of uh question or in terms of, you know, 
let's say these exercises aren't working or, or we can't mm-hmm. get them to feel what they need to feel what what alternatives what other methods um are you are you trying to implement um to kind of bypass whatever is inhibiting them yeah i've i've had a lot of those over the years and i'm glad to say i'm starting to develop more strategies to help out those i had a gal who i swear to god couldn't even do couldn't do a basic bridge without feeling it everywhere else besides her glutes. Um, and just a gluteal squeeze, just just a glute set, took two to three weeks. And I'm like, am I doing this wrong? I like, you know, I tried different cues and manual tactile cues and different analogies of, you know, pinching a million dollars between your butt cheeks and she just couldn't grasp it. Almost to the point where I'm like, do I need to refer out because she legitimately could not bring her butt cheeks together. Um, and uh, well, I remember I had like interns and students and they, even them, they were just like, they were just as lost as I was and just more of a surprise factor. Um, and um, certain strategies that have kind of, if it comes down to those individuals, uh, I think I, who developed the name of uh, glute amnesia? Is that uh, was it Contreras? No, it was uh, oh man, who, who developed glute amnesia? No, let me see if I can pull it up. Um, Who's uh, big four exercises for back pain? Uh, that's slipping Miguel? in here. Huh, Miguel. Miguel. I think Miguel uh, developed Miguel. the name. Yep. Miguel. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, me and a half okay. a beer, half my memory is gone. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, sitting on our asses or, you know, screwing up the like tension relationship and those sort of things, it happens. Um, I thought, what was it? The uh, TPI course we took? Yep. And watching all of them do an overhead squat in in like United States where we were taking the course and then watching, was it China or Japan where mm-hmm. they sit ass the grass for like just everything, yep. just all of them doing it perfectly and less than half of us can get an overhead squat. Right. Yep. Um, so maybe it's a societal thing, who knows, but it's, it definitely happens um to some degree yes are the fibers probably firing do a muscle magically forget to work no unless you're probably having a spinal cord injury or some sorts uh but is it firing enough or contracting enough whatever words you want to use i do believe that happens and certain strategies like that one individual where you know everyone was just just in shock and awe came to the point where i slapped you know russian stem on them bad boys I had her go to the bathroom. I was like, I need you to put it here and here. Felt it through her pants. Mm-hmm. Started racking it up while she was doing like glute sets and just trying to progress it. And once they started going, her symptoms started to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned in previous podcasts, so I haven't done that really much since. Uh, that was the only tool I really had outside of, you know, tactile cues and those sort of things. I know people have used um, biofeedback devices. I don't have one currently. I consider it always. It's always on like my toy list that I want to get. Just has, I usually buy things spontaneously. It's like, all right, I have a client that needs this now. I'm going to buy this now. But right now, don't really need it. 
I'll try what I have in the office and then I'll, I'll, I'll go get it. So biofeedback, I, I used it as a student for more quad sets uh, for post ACLs that seemed to help out some of those trickier ones. Um, mentioned in a previous podcast, um, what I use mostly BFR for, I know it's mostly for an ACL client, but I don't really use go crazy with that so much anymore. Mm-hmm. But I use it more just for actually glute stuff. It happened by accident. Someone, I had them do like a warm up with the BFR and they're like, damn, I can really feel my glutes. And the next day they're like, this was the first time they reported any glute doms to a degree. Uh, so those sleepier glutes, I've been using that a lot of. And then um, on a very, don't try and oversell this sort of thing um, based off of the, the lower trap spinal manipulations study uh, that we've yeah, discussed a couple t- by Cleland mm-hmm. that we discussed. I have tried performing l- uh, lumbosacral or lumbopelvic manipulations and mm-hmm. have actually had some success uh, with, with people actually feeling it uh, with like a bridge. I have actually played around almost as a test retest principle mm-hmm. is like, Hey, why don't we try this bridge and see where you feel it um, or a clamshell. I've done both. And I was like, all right, well, you know, this technique can help, you know, loosen you up and those sort of things. And I just want to see how things go. And I've actually had some decent success with people not feeling it in their glutes uh, pre-manipulation and actually feeling it post-manipulation. So that's kind of where I've been. Um, I've gone to a point of, again, tactile cues if I help them kind of squeeze in together. But just main thing is like talking to the client, like this is where you should feel it. You know, a lot of people are doing the right things, especially runners. Like, oh, I've done clamshells and glutes and, you know, deadlifts and that sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, where do you feel it normally? Oh, my back and my hamstrings. Okay, all right, well, you, mm-hmm. the idea is that you actually feel it and point. So a lot of people with like clamshells or side or actually the classic is uh, side to side walks with a band. Yep. Um, and they always point to the front of their hips, kind of TFL region i'm like or yeah it's n- yeah or the quads and they're like yeah, yeah it burns like hell right there i'm like that's nice it's an exercise you know movement's great for you but mm-hmm. ideally we want it in the in more towards the glute med territory so yep. those are some things i use um but brandon what about you oh there's one thing but and you probably have experience with it i don't i always wanted like since taking dry needling and using it with e-stem that's something i've always i wish that's something we could do yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I've definitely uh, done it with uh, with that um, on, on a few accounts. I guess I'll, I'll start there. Um, yeah, whether it's tr- a trigger point and kind of leaves you a little sore. So sometimes uh, there's a latency effect and you're a little inhibited before you can use them again. But yeah, with stim, yeah, stim at high, stim at hard. Um, sometimes I, you know, I'll work on the speed. What I'm looking for is that rhythmical contraction. Um, you know, there's no set time. It really depends on, on the person, but once I get that going, you, you uh, send them over to, a, to the exercise. I'll do it to the low back, you know, whether it's uh, L4, 5, S1 region. Why? Because those, those areas uh, innervate um, those muscles. So I want to be able to try and indirectly affect that pathway, that pathways being the nerves. Um, so if we can, you know, need the, those segments and, and the multifidi around that, usually it kind of opens it up. That's uh, Dr. Gunn's... Um, theory physiological about last week um you know the his, his theory there so 
you know, that's, that's one method um, to piggyback off of what you said with the low back. Uh, there's plenty, there's a few articles, um, quite a few actually, that point to mobilizing the hips, um, the hip joint itself to create that activation. And uh, some of those Scott Burns articles references those other yeah. articles as well. Um, Cause he, he did his PhD, uh, or I believe he's doing his PhD. If not, he's just had a lot of articles on this topic. Um, uh, hip, back, hip back syndrome. Um, so he points that out and, you know, it makes sense. What if somebody is lacking hip extension? Um, so they can't clear their hips. So therefore, um, you know, they're extending their back and, and kind of knocking out their glutes from, from being the prime mover. Um, you know, if they're lacking internal rotation as well, that those, I think extension internal rotation, probably the top two. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, that requires you to do an assessment and not just the guess. Um, is this person lacking something? Okay. If I, if I mobilize their hip and for whatever reason, I'm able to get them into to more hip extension, do their, their glutes fire more? Um, is it neurophysiological? Is it, is it a biomechanical effect? Is it, you know, placebo? Is it all the above? Who knows? But, um, you know, being able to, to definitely assess that, um, you know, definitely chewing and educating that patient. I think education is the big thing, having that patient understand that it may take a few sessions for them to get that aha moment. And it definitely is frustrating because, like you said, you could be two or three weeks and some of these patients, like, just don't get it. Um, some of those patients, you can tell they're not doing the home exercise program now because it surely shouldn't take that long if they're really dedicating themselves mm -hmm. to it. Um, so that's something there. I And this is just, like I guess, a bias of mine. I, though I like dry kneeling and stem, I don't like Russian. I, I just feel like I should be able to get it without. Um, I mean, you lose, you know, if you want to talk about research, you lose so much con connectivity there, um, mm -hmm. with the pad and the skin, but, uh, you know, when needed, I'll, I'll pop it on for, for an ACL or, or glute, um, especially yeah. nasty can't needle. Uh, it's really just bombarding that system, um, with, with something and then trying to find regressions for, for patients. Um, ISO holds too, you know, once they do feel it, can they sustain it? Can they, you know, emphasize a glute squeeze? Um, it's probably why I do neurodynamics, um, talking about trying to imp impact that nervous system or those pathways. The nerve is what controls, um, controls the muscles. The nerves are connected to the brain. Like, you know, we have to be able to make that connection. Uh, so in some instances, yeah, I'll do some neuro neurodynamics, uh, or nerve glides. Um, and then you could always do some PNF stuff or some, some assisted patterning, you know, whatever you feel like you need to do to get something going. Absolutely. Yes. I'd say, and I think we mentioned before, like I think nerves are in the show uh, with a lot of things or pretty much a lot of neuromuscular system. Uh, so if they're, if they're not happy or they're not moving, whatever theory you want to take, there's a ton of theories out there. Uh, if they're just not operating efficiently, um, they're, they're not going to, supply or innervate those muscles as much and that'll lead to some issues for sure yeah. um so i agree with that I actually as you mentioned like the hip mobs i've had two client uh, three two uh, d1 uh baseball player a d1 prospect soccer player and a very high level olympic weightlifter and just doing hip mobs to hip extension especially um that's like i'll again use that test retest so i'm not kidding myself um where 
well, yeah, hey, why don't you try and do some contractions for me? Tell me how you feel. Like, oh, it feels a little bit different on the usually the involved side. And then perform the mobilizations. And especially with people who do like a straight leg raise and extension, and a lot of them they'll feel it in their back or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, doing like a hip extension mobilization or, you know, whatever their limitation may be, and then retesting that. And more often than not, if there's a range of motion limitation or feels tight to get into that, they'll be like right afterwards, like, listen, I just feel like my glute now. Uh, So, and it's not just purely, oh, I've had, you know, their neuromuscular neuromuscular patterns building from doing reps. It's, hey, have you do 10 reps? See how it feels. Uh, Then I'll go mob it. Uh, And then they're like, wow, it feels a lot different. Um, So, you know, it's it's just a kind of a cool cool thing to and, do uh, and are these patients coming up for low back pain uh low back pain and the other two the two the field players uh hamstring issues so it's just like yeah, a, yeah. yeah. so research tells us with those people oh we got eccentric load of hamstrings 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 and like neither of these kids oh, they're they're, they're high school kids well one's one's in college the other one's like a junior senior neither of them had hip extension just passively even like screw actively just couldn't get to past, couldn't even get to neutral with one kid. Yeah. Strong as shit, too. Like, this kid, he's maybe like five foot eight, or he's short. He's small. Could do like a 475-pound squat. Mm-hmm. Um, good. And I've seen it because we worked with him for a different issue in the past, and, you know, he's, he's doing well, but he wasn't able to fully get – those glutes uh going because he had no hip extension so fast as shit and this kid floats i should send videos of this thing but amazing what he could do again as you mentioned before earlier in the podcast this episode is like what how amazing they can do without being very efficient in the largest muscle group or in uh essentially the biggest workhorses of the entire body so um yeah and all three of them excellent outcomes um, yeah, I was going to say the reason I asked uh, on their, their injury they're coming in for, they're lacking hip extension. Most of those people are going to either have low back pain because they're loading, they're going into lumbar extension or TL junction extension because where else are they going to get it from? Um, hamstring issues because they can't fully extend their hip and maybe their hamstrings mm-hmm. are working double time because their glutes aren't, you know, offsetting it. Um, we have patients who lack internal rotation. Um, or external rotation, usually internal rotation. So where are they going to get rotation from? Their low back, you know, where mm-hmm. if you spend some time to, you know, mob that hip, create some some type of space, and then fire up those muscles so they can now work in that newly provided range, you know, a, lot of, a lot of good things happen there. Right. It's just so like the, the knee and example. knee extension. Yeah. Like try and get the quad firing all the way with a post-op ACL, and you don't have yeah. full terminal knee extension. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, that, that um, PMO works at so, less five degrees. So if you're lacking five degrees, which most people will lack, you know, you do you do quad sets till the couch come home, and you're not going to get the that effect. Yep. So and I would, you know, I would love it. I would freaking love it because I see a, a decent amount of ACLs. I would love it if it was the fact that they could get there on their own, giving them mm-hmm. exercises, towel strap stretch self-mobilizations, quad set for days, terminally extensions. I love it if they could. 
because you know, a lot of the times it's doesn't feel great, especially post-op ACL. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've tried that. It's a different story for another day of trying to make that as comfortable mm-hmm. as possible, but they just can't attain that extension on their own a lot of the times. Um, so the manual therapy, do that first, then have them fire all they want. And it's yep. generally a lot better. So there's no difference. I, I feel like a lot of times we isolate a joint and say how research supports that and that theory behind it. But then we move to another joint that theory no longer works, but probably yeah, yeah, in reality yeah. it does. Yep. Clear so. it over. And too many people try and hang their hat on the letter of the law of research. Yes. Uh, that we know. Um, topic for another discussion another day. <laughs> yes. Uh, any other nuggets of knowledge to get those, those glutes going? So maybe favorite exercises, maybe post table life. Um, I like personally, I do like the side plank, which is in that article that I put up before. Um, if done correctly, which I can say nobody does well independently, even myself (laughs) at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another thing in the, in the, um, in my fellowship weekend was the guy running the course. He sees a three to one. So three, ther- three patients to one therapist per hour. He's just like, I can't trust him to do with the bridge. He's like, I don't give him out because I know most people are going to start with lumbar extension. Even if I leave him for a little bit, he's like, it's not worth, especially for back pain issues. Um, you know, cause an excessive extension if extension bothers them or for extension purposes. Like if extension's the aggravating factor. Yeah. Um, um, but, um, you know, go ahead, Something I used to do, I've kind of moved away from it, but uh, having them bring one leg into their chest, which will kind of put them into some flexion and have them avoid, now, now they can't really go on a, a extension. extension. That's, that's a var- uh, variation I used to do. Um, you know, you can have a lay bridge. Well, just a bridge in general. I don't care how high they get up. I just need them using their hip and not their low back and using their glute. Um, yeah. So that's a good one. Some people will even play with wedging lacrosse ball on one hip and flexing it up. Again, now you're you're firing up or activating those uh, hip flexors. So um, you know, we know we're not going to get the the opposite muscles uh, working there. Um, well, there's some, some, I like the, the planks with the glute squeezes. I'll do those. Hip thrusters. I like single leg stuff. I try and get people doing single leg stuff or maybe even RDLs. off, off um, center. So, you know, you're doing a bridge and their feet are like that. Um, can I bring one leg back? That's going to kind of bias one side more. Uh, I go. love my RDLs, my kickstands, um, things like that, step-ups. Uh, yeah. I love my lunges. Uh, but all these have to obviously be performed correctly because if not, um, they're going to be using their back or their quads. And most of these exercises really should be the glutes, the prime mover and the quads are, are going to be, you know, carrying, carrying, uh, or, or following secondary, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's, that's pretty much, um, you know, what I, what I do. Most no, of my it's perfect. Yeah. No, and, uh, they, as you said, they, yeah, most people can use quads and back again, the body takes a path of like least resistance or, the easiest muscles that they've been frequently using for years and years. So again, you have to stay on top of people. You can prescribe the best set of exercises. I can't, can't count my hands. How many times I got gotten clients. And when I ask them like why they came here and 
most if they had previous therapy what they're doing in therapy mm. when the therapist was prescribing the right things from they must have did a, a good enough assessment mm. but when i went to go look at those things they were done absolutely wrong like they just the client was doing it the way that you know it was easiest then, for them you know some of that belongs on the client too and you know we can yeah. always just bastardize other other clinicians some of it does fall on the clinicians a lot of it does but sometimes uh patients just don't put the time in those yeah, are the ones that really course. don't typically don't that don't get better yeah and we can talk about that one day is how yeah, compliant are people really with their home exercise programs <laughs> but that's for another day but uh yeah i think that's pretty good uh i think that was a good episode and um yeah thanks for uh tuning in oh and uh just some quick housekeeping of things uh if you're enjoying our podcast and listening into this for please feel free to rate us on uh, itunes podcast or apple podcast and that sort of stuff helps mm-hmm. get us out there a little bit um we have um upcoming course uh brandon and i at uh yeah brandon you can talk about that talk about the virtual yeah we stuff. have um September 19th, it's a, it's a fun one-day course, extremity manipulations, um, upper and lower, covering both. Uh, so if um, you know, you're struggling with some pa- uh, extremity pathologies or want to improve your management therapy or clinical decision-making, this is the course for you. Um, like I said, one day approved for in New Jersey, uh, 7.5. I think in New York, it's 8.5 or 9. Um, providing PPE, obviously taking the, the health precautions necessary. Uh, we're hosting a lumbar pelvic course at Jeremy's Clinic in Glassboro, New Jersey, October 24th, 25th. Um, like so all you South Jersey and Philly cats, hope to see some of you guys out there. Um, and then we have our – probably our biggest course up to date is our spinal manip course in, uh, in December, early December. I forget the exact date. It's that first Saturday, Sunday, though. Um, we also have uh, – our manual therapy mentorship, which obviously goes beyond manual therapy, but uh, we're actually rocking and rolling with that now. Um, we have, you know, what do we got? Six, seven Six, people seven. signed up uh, with a couple more looking to join. Uh, so hopefully we get to that 10, 10 spot soon. But we're getting uh, some good calls, some great uh, dialogue and discussion. Um, you know, people are really starting to, to dive into it. Uh, so if you guys are looking for some mentorship, want to hone your manual skills and your clinical skills and even business related skills, um, all three of us, myself, Jeremy and Kyle, all business owners, uh, we have been for multiple years. Um, we've dealt with insurances out of network cash, you know, hybrid, whatever you want to call it. Um, we all are fellowship trained or are in the process as Jeremy is, and he's close to being done. So it really is probably the highest quality of education you're going to get you're going to get aside from probably doing a fellowship program itself um and the cost is definitely uh way cheaper um so if you have any questions feel free to reach out to to one of us and we'd be happy to uh to answer them and hopefully one day we'll see you guys on there awesome yeah looking forward to all that and um yeah feel free to reach out to us at manips and sips on facebook instagram and twitter um you can reach out to me at the decent doctor and at trifecta therapeutics and you can reach out to brandon at at think like a fellow and at pursue pt now thanks for listening everyone and uh cheers cheers guys